Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock. I'm your captain, Captain Sabriel Maston, on this ship. I wanted to let you know that beheadings are on Wednesdays now. <laughs> this week, I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, who will save me in a minute instead of laughing at me, because I've done this eight times already, is <laughs> Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Ken, welcome to the show once again, our show. Well, I'm glad we moved the beheadings, because that frees up Tuesdays for tacos. Right, right. <laughs> that was a scheduling mishap that should never have happened. Although I'm still wondering, what's a Tuesday? <laughs> That's when the parts come in. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Transporters and captain's sheets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. Uh, yeah. Wow. This is a Star Trek podcast. I've uh, since I've flubbed this intro many times. I don't know if Ken's going to keep that uh, or not. Uh, <laughs> I should probably let you know what we do. We've already referenced three different Star Trek series in yeah, the last minute, so I think we're off to a pretty good start. I mean, I think you are, but who knows? Someone might have accidentally downloaded this. Uh, <laughs> We are here to talk about Star Trek Picard, two episodes this time, but first, we're going to start off with some bad news. Ken, would you like to yeah. talk this on us? Well, as TNG said, all good things must come to an end, and we knew that Picard was ending after th- three seasons. We are watching the final season now. But unfortunately, they have announced that Discovery, which is soon to begin its fifth season, will also be beginning its fifth and final season. They will have done two seasons in the era of TOS, three seasons in the far-flung future, and that will be all that we will see of the USS Discovery as its own series. It's especially kind of a different kind of bummer because this that was the show that kind of brought this podcast uh, into fruition, more or less. Indeed. In fact, it was our most recent episode of Transporter Log, just aired two weeks ago. That was the first time we had updated the intro for the last 100-plus episodes. It always said... This is Transporter Log, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, and it stayed that way even as we continued talking about Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and Picard. We finally updated it to encompass all of Star Trek, and I guess the producers of Discovery heard that and said, well, <laughs> I guess Transporter Lock doesn't need Discovery anymore. Let's take it off the air. I appreciate the edit, too. When you're like, this is a Star Trek podcast, uh, it, was, it flowed very well. Uh- <laughs> Big shout out and thanks to Enfys, who has been on the show and does the intros and outros for this show. But yeah, Discovery will have lasted longer than Enterprise, which is good, but not as long as TNG, Voyager, or Deep Space Nine. All three of those shows lasted seven years, and I thought Discovery had the potential for seven years as well. I remember when back in the day when Enterprise was being talked about as canceled, like, well, when it came around, it's like, oh, this will last seven years no matter what, because the last three series did. Then it went for four, and we're like, what? <laughs> um, that blew our minds back in the day. And now, Disco, they're just like, well, see, Paramount Plus has been doing a bunch of cutbacks after um, they're starting to realize that uh, streaming costs money. <laughs> um, and apparently, we're going to go to Discovery first, because from what I understand, Discovery wasn't set to be canceled, uh, and it already had finished rec- filming. And they're calling some people back so they can wrap some, wrap some things up. 
That I did not know. I was wondering, uh, because I had not read what you have read, whether this was a financial decision or a creative decision. And it sounds like the former, which really sucks. Yeah. Um, Star Trek is a very expensive show. And I don't know how many new viewers they gained from Discovery. There's always old timers. Or, you know, youth timers, as we are. But, um... Uh, yeah, I don't know how much Discovery... Discovery brought Star Trek back. Got... Thanks to them, we got Strange New Worlds. We got Picard. Maybe some upcoming shows if Michelle Yeoh ever decides to take some time off from her newly busy career again. But, um... Uh, I mean, we talked about how Disco has had its problems, too. As much as we love it, it's had its problems. And I don't know if it's the... The gitter, as it were. I think... Part of the decision, if it was creative or financial, actually, is the fact that Strange New World started last year and was so popular. I don't know what the viewership was like, but everybody I talked to loves SNW. And they even say, you know, Ken, I love Discovery, but we live in such a dark world. I don't need more darkness. And I really Mm -hmm. miss the camp that is Strange New Worlds. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things of Star Trek is how hopeful it is of the future. And Discovery has its hope. Uh, it's not that it's not there. It's just a different kind. Uh, it goes through a lot of dark places before it gets to the hope. Um, yeah. Yeah. There aren't a lot of discovery episodes that actually make me laugh. Strange New Worlds did that regularly. Uh huh. So, and and uh, one more thing, I think we should probably get back to. We have two shows to talk about, so we should wrap this up. But I think Discovery got better when it went to the future. Uh, I, I even though we got Captain Pike and we got to see some neat things before the Kirk era. Um, but I think, uh, and that's, that can be Strange New World's domain, but I think Discovery really proved itself when it started going to the future. Yeah, even at the end of the third season, when Michael became captain and they ended with that like text on the screen about you know flying toward the future, and we kind of thought, is, is this the end? Why are they doing that? And I don't know. I mean, that seemed like such a good way to end. I'm glad they didn't, but compared to that, how are they going to end season five? We don't know. Yeah. We will see. Well, uh, so what we leave behind, all good things, turnabout intruder. Uh, now, <laughs> the, the segue was great. Uh, and and um, end game. Uh, but, but now. Uh-huh. I do want to talk about, those are some great finales. But that was uh, a great sentence. What are you talking about? I just happened to quote this <laughs> finale. What was the TS, The TOS finale? Didn't really have one. It was a turnabout intruder. They didn't have oh, a finale. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is not about finales or beginnings, but I do want to briefly mention something that you and I talked about oh. uh, pre-show this week and something last week. So you were talking <laughs> about, speaking of the Kirk era, we're going to be seeing a new adaptation of one of Kirk's most famous stories. Yes. Yeah, so just as we pulled it up today, I was like, I just saw Khan, the musical exclamation points in both of those is boldly going to off-Broadway this spring story brought to you by Gizmodo. Uh, there is a, Con musical going to the uh, Players Theater in New York City, an off-Broadway show um, with tap-dancing Wilkins and Kirk's long-lost son, a William Shatner impersonator, and of course, mutant space chickens. I don't know what all that, how those all come together, but uh, I definitely won't be seeing it because I won't be going to New York City, and it's only got a five-week run. Oh, May through June, May fourth, Star Wars Day through June fourth. Oh, that's soon. I might be able yeah. to do that. Con is coming.com. Okay. 
I wonder, this can't be officially licensed, but how else could they do it? Uh, parody, maybe you can do it? I guess that makes sense. And I was telling you about how Robot Chicken did a little con opera <laughs> at least 13 years ago, and you had never actually seen it before. Uh, no, I, I, this is not familiar at all. I've seen the show. I've seen many of their Star Trek things, but this musical one, uh, somehow I completely has some somehow completely uh, gone under my radar. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's only a minute and a half long, but I enjoy it so much that many years ago, I downloaded the MP4, stripped out the audio, put it in my iTunes library, and every now and then it comes up on shuffle on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. And it's all in Italian. <laughs> yes, of course, as all the like best operas are. The top, the top comment is totally a reference to... Uh, you have not here i'll just let read it you have not experienced star trek 2 until you've seen the full opera in the original italian <laughs> i get the klingon version is also quite good <laughs> of, course, of course it is and something that we talked about last week which i thought was in the final episode which is why i tweeted about it but then i went back and listened and it wasn't in there uh, i mm -hmm. am calling you from budapest the capital of hungary i've i'm here for five weeks i've been here for three so far there is a statue here of Columbo, Peter Falk, the famous detective, Columbo. And I don't know why, because he was not Hungarian. But then you informed me that there's a Star Trek connection here, because there was a spinoff of the Columbo show called Mrs. Columbo. Mm -hmm. And the title character was played by a 24-year-old Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was very apparently against the what fans would consider canon in Columbo the Columbo canon, this Columbo cinematic universe, so, and the show kind of flopped. Uh, whether that is the reason why, or if the show is just bad itself, that it, the show flopped poorly, very hard. Yeah, it didn't last many episodes, certainly not more than one season. And I tried watching the first episode, but the opening sequence is very long, and it's about moms dropping their kids off at school, and Mrs. Columbo is like the very last person to show up. Like, Oh, uh, have you ever seen Columbo? Oh, actually, no, I haven't. Okay, because a lot of the whole beginning—it's not a who done it; it's a how, how, how figure it out. And the whole like a lot of times, the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the show, you don't see Columbo at all because it's showing the setup of why our bad guy killed the person and uh, all this stuff. So a lot of times, you don't see Columbo until quarter of the way through the episode, oh, as okay. he tries to figure you as a viewer. You know how how and who, and you got to watch Columbo figure it out. I think I had inferred that because I did read a online comic book that was a Columbo Frasier mashup. <laughs> yes, I've, yes, yes, I've seen this. It was delightful and it opens with Frasier and Niles and you know that they did it and then Columbo shows up. <laughs> Got it. Cool. So we have seen two episodes of Picard since you and I last spoke. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back. And one more thing about Budapest. <laughs> you realize the amazing joke you just made no <laughs> and just one more thing <laughs> there are a lot of other famous inventions that came from budapest and hungary such as color television and the rubik's cube but also the founder of paramount oh really yeah he sold the company pretty quickly but it was originally founded by somebody who moved from Hungary to the United States. And one more thing that uh, <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, this is not Star Trek, but I went to a museum here that is dedicated to a uh, Hungarian who was born in Budapest named Eric Weiss. 
and uh, it is he emigrated as a young child with his family to the United States and became famous as the escape artist known as Harry Houdini. Oh, look at that. I, I did no not idea. know he was Hungarian, but yeah, he was born here. I so, and, no idea. And they have a very, very small museum dedicated uh-huh. to him. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. All right. Oh. 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 All so, right. <laughs> you and I have seen two episodes of Picard yes. since we last spoke. And so, um, do, you have the, do you have the names of the episodes? I Andy? do. The two episodes we're talking about today are Disengage, and the second episode is 17 Seconds. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I think my suggestion I brought up in the past of watching multiple episodes in a row and then talking about it is ideal, especially for this pair. There were two big revelations in these episodes. Like each episode ended with a big what? And one of them was more obvious to me than the other. But I thought we would roughly break it out by that. Like, here's a revelation. Let's talk about how it played out across two episodes. And then let's talk about the other revelation across two episodes. Sound good? Uh, yeah. So you bring up which which of the revelations you want to talk about first. I want to see well, what you thought were the revelations. Well, let's go chronologically. The first revelation we learned was that Picard and Crusher had a baby. Barf. <laughs> Not a fan. This storyline, I, I brought it before a little bit, but now like uh, this is no interest to me at all. I, I don't believe but the re- the biggest reason is because Jack, the actor who plays Jack, is thirty two, playing a twenty year old, and I cannot look past this. He looks way too old to be their kid, their twenty year old kid, and I cannot get past that. I can I. I can believe in the truth because they're telling me that is the truth of the show. But me as a viewer cannot because of the age of the actor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that actor or his age, but having never seen him except on this show, if you were to ask me how old he is, I would probably have guessed like 28, 30. <sighs> and now he's playing a 20 year old, which is not unusual in Hollywood. We have no. adult actors playing high schoolers all the time. Uh-huh. What's up fellow uh-huh. kids. <laughs> but yeah but outside of that like it doesn't doing anything for it doesn't doing it it doesn't do anything for me um uh okay you're just telling me this that's fine uh it, it'll it will shape the future events cool i'm here for the ride but i don't care if he's your kid <laughs> and that's probably not a good state to be in <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little disappointed that their relationship, Jean-Luc's and Beverly's, was not as unsurprising as we saw in All Good Things. Like in that, they got married and then they got divorced. And sure. But in this one, she got pregnant and didn't tell him and went away for 20 years and cut herself off from not just her child's father, but everybody on the Enterprise crew. And uh, that that is so this te- what this what the way you're talking about this sounds like you totally side with Picard in their little conversation that Beverly and JL had. Oh, I'm not saying that I side with him or that she made the wrong decision. I think that the crusher we knew on TNG would not have done this. I don't think mm-hmm. this is consistent with her character. I'm not making value judgments on what we saw in this episode. Uh-huh. I, I just think you. that based on seven years of TNG, this episode would not have happened. I follow you. Um, I, I, I like the point that she brought up where like basically every time she's about to tell John Luke, he was about to, he was something someone tried to kill him. <laughs> like 
I, I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't like, okay, I can see both your points of view. Um, uh, and ultimately, she, I mean, Beverly said she gave Jack a, the choice if she couldn't make it on her own. And he chose not to um, meet up with Jean-Luc. But um, yeah, I could see both their points of view. I think they both have valid arguments. And I don't, I don't know if it was different from Beverly back then. Honestly, I don't. I think Beverly, sadly, in originals in Next Gen, was one of the weaker characters because they didn't let her be a character. And I, I, she was never. I always like Pulaski, especially in retro, in hindsight, because they let her be a character. Beverly was sadly not allowed to have much freedom outside the sick bay. Or you get a spot here and there, the dancing doctor. I mean, or or uh, you know, teaching Data how to be funny or dance, or um, you know, she had fun with her candle. But um, I think Next Gen treated Beverly poorly, and I don't see, I don't think she got a room to be a character where already she's getting lots of space here. Uh, and I can, I can basically, sure, I can believe it. Basically, that is what I'm getting at. That she could become this way. I suppose so. If any of the characters were to do something out of character, it would be the character with the least character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we found out why Jack has a British accent. <laughs> it's not genetic. It's not genetic. He went to London. Apparently, he never dropped it. That's their little excuse. But, like, I know someone who picked up an accent watching a lot of television, uh, British television, uh, when they were little. And never really dropped it. Um, uh, and uh, I could see, I, I was expecting, like, he listened to your logs a lot. Uh, something like that. But apparently yeah. they're just exploiting it with, um, um, just went to London and never dropped it. I would have thought if she was trying to avoid Jean-Luc and keep this child a secret, she would not have been on Earth. Because London is not all that far from the vineyards of France. And certainly you can be in those two places and not know each other, <laughs> but still. You I mean, I've had friends who are like in Minneapolis was four hours away and like, Hey, I was here. And I'm like, you should have told me I would have driven down. I haven't seen you in 10 years. <laughs> like, Yeah. And also if, you know, if I had a romantic getaway with a woman who I'd known for 30 years and then suddenly she disappeared, I would every now and then Google her. And mm-hmm. if I found like, I, what name do, did that kid go to school under Jack Crusher? Because that would not be hard to find. John Carson. <laughs> Here's Johnny. <laughs> was that his name in this episode? That was, was that one of his uh, aliases was John Carson. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. That makes sense <laughs> now. Thank you. Huh. But, I mean, we don't know Picard. Some people might find that awkward. So maybe John Luke is just like, okay, Beverly doesn't want to talk to me. I'll leave her alone. I mean. Yeah, but he said how he spent 20 years thinking, like, it was something I said, something I did. And, yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm sure... You would search those... more. Doesn't mean... No, no, this is true. And I've not been in that situation. But I have wondered, what are people who are no longer in my life doing? You know, and I, I pull up Twitter or LinkedIn, and I take a quick look, and I don't reach out to them. Yeah, I've done that, too. And found out, sadly, some of my classmates have passed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I find that out, too. And, you know, if that, well, that's even more to the point, like there are some people who in my life who are elderly and I don't know how to get a hold of them anymore. So I go to legacy.com and I set up alerts because I think that might be the only way I'll ever Mm -hmm. find out what happened to them. And, you know, 
it kind of like there was one time when I, I was late getting home and my parents were really worried about me. And what they should have done was call either the police or the hospital to find out if I was there. You know, and I'm still kind of hurt that what they did instead was go to pick up the pizza they were expecting me to bring home. <laughs> like, oh my God, Ken was supposed to be back with the pizza an hour ago. We, we think he's been in a car accident. We better go get the pizza. Like that was their response. Let's see how good it with them. Because they're probably okay. <laughs> no, like when I showed up, they were like, she said, Ken, I was so worried about you. We thought you'd been in an accident. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. What'd you do? She's like, we went and got the pizza. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> these, these are your priorities? In hindsight, I don't think it was a priority. I think they didn't know what to do. And that was the first instinct was to, well, let's take care of the one thing that we can safely do uh, because we don't know where Ken's at. I don't think it was a matter of priority. I think it was a, this is the one thing in the situation we can control. <laughs> <laughs> I make no excuses for my parents and neither should you. <laughs> but I appreciate uh, the effort. No problem. Just thinking what I would do. Uh, Jack, uh, apparently a good kid. Um, he tried to set, he tried to turn himself over Yep. to uh, the strike. And when he did try that seven of nine brief tangent, even though she was relieved of duty and confined to quarters, she was still able to get a phaser and go to the transporter room and point it at Jack. Mm-hmm. That was the order of operation. She got relieved of duty. Then she captured Jack. And whereas in the very next episode, she was in her quarters with a guard posted outside. She was not allowed to leave. And I was like, so how did she leave and get her hands on a weapon? Maybe she hadn't gotten to her room yet. That's right. I'll go to my room and be confined to quarters right after I grab this phaser. You didn't say go now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Confined. What or you're just like, get off my bridge. Um, uh, but to go back to Jack, this the reason I brought up seven is because she had her phaser pointed at Jack. and. Picard said at that moment to Shaw on the bridge, because he's my son. And at that moment, both Jack and I think Seven lowered their phasers. Mm-hmm. Was Picard on the intercom at that point? No. Did the whole uh, what happened? Um, uh, Picard's like, because he's my son. And basically Shaw was like, oh, damn it, we're stuck here now. And told everyone, uh, you know, like, um, or that's when Picard went, Shields up, lock the transporter down, lock everything up, and basically everyone understood what's going on. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they couldn't Jack, hear. I think Jack and Seven uh, responded to Picard's confession before Shaw oh, told them anything, maybe, though. Uh, no, I guess no, no. Shaw didn't say anything at the point yet to the bridge or crew. Uh, this is uh, the comm might have been open. Maybe they heard. Uh, it's very possible so, because because so they were talking. Because Seven's like, I'm, I'm here with him now. Mm. Um, it's very possible they heard that whole those two heard that conversation Picard was like wait a minute we're on speakerphone <laughs> I didn't mean for Jack to hear that and you're not my son sorry I was gonna tell you later no they they, they knew they were and I just Jack watched the episode knew. this morning and Jack, Jack knew, knew as we yeah. found out in the next episode that Crusher mm-hmm. Beverly had already told him uh-huh. and so I guess Jack wasn't responding to the revelation he was responding to the fact that he'd been outed uh, I think it's more like you knew there was no fight in this anymore. And yeah. And also, no Starfleet crew has ever discovered that you need more, more than one Brit person watching the brig. <laughs> ever. It's the same thing they've been doing in cowboy movies for 100 years. Yep. One guard. Yep. That's all you need. 
Oh, you're required to tell me the power outage of this field. No, you're not. <laughs> That's a lie. My God. How how can you be so easily manipulated? Good. That's the requirement for bring, bring duty. However, when Picard said to everybody, oh, because he's my son, you know, Shaw had been so against putting his crew, putting his entire ship at risk to save this one person. And he hated Picard and Riker. He knew that from the moment they showed up when he started eating dinner early. And he's like, oh, I don't like your wine. I don't like your jazz. And then when Picard says he's my son, Shaw's like, okay, everybody, we're going to do this. I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm liking Shaw more. Like we're starting to see him as a captain and not this guy who's just annoyed at this bad moral who showed up on his ship to steal it. Uh, I mean, outside of his racism towards Borg, which everyone still thinks, uh, community still thinks, like, he uh, actually, no, we know he was at Wolf 359, I think. Or maybe as community, yeah, maybe I'm mixing things up. Anyway, uh, we're starting to see him captain. Uh, and I think it sounds like he might actually be a pretty good captain when he doesn't have time to be a dick. Um, uh, we see him, like, <sighs> I understand, Card. We're in this in for a penny. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm with you. He's still... Like, this is all your fault. <laughs> but I mean, he's watching over his crew. They're like, all right, you three, you're going, taking a rest. You just took a 36 hour shift. Um, he's still thinking about his crew. He, uh, as he was blasted and sent to sick bay, um, he cares about this ship and the crew. He's just annoyed at this bad moral who kidnapped uh, his ship. He has made a lot of good decisions. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is why. It mattered to him that Jack was Picard's son. Because based on what we'd seen of Shaw to that point, I would have expected him to say, Picard, I don't care if he's your mother. I am not putting our entire ship at crew at risk for one person. It sounds like there's something behind his past. Something that, uh, as in Vedic even pointed out, I'm surprised you remain functional. Uh, it's probably something we don't know about his past. Then, Unless he has just the honor of understanding sorry uh like like okay picard says uh, i'm not gonna let someone's son obviously if it's not a backstory reason he's got some kind of uh personal integrity related to kids yeah yeah i i did like that he was able to transfer the control to riker even after like he knows riker is his predecessor as captain and he lives in riker's shadow and here he is saying no oh, i give it over to you riker i thought that was cool i liked him mm-hmm. for doing that you said that there was perhaps a hint in the outro as to why he was not being kind. Uh, well, in the outro, there's a spot where um, his name is mentioned and his commander is blocked, re- redacted text. Oh, that's right. And uh, but I think I was talking about the current commands. Like, why would seven be redacted? Hmm. But uh, I could be mistaken by that. Uh, I have to look at screen caps again. There is just he does is mentioned in the end credits there. And you mentioned the last time we did this podcast how Shaw dead named Seven of Nine. Uh-huh. There was a moment in the latest episode where she taps her com badge and says, Hansen to the bridge. And I was surprised by that because somebody else had called her seven, uh Jordy's daughter. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she was really touched by that. And Shaw's not the captain at that point. So admittedly, she had said like she herself had corrected Picard when he tried to greet her earlier. So this is not the first time we've seen her use that name, but I was hoping by this point in the narrative, especially when she's been relieved of duty and what more are they going to do? I I wish that she would start using her true name. 
I think from their point of view, it's only been a few hours. Yeah. If even that. Uh, so give them time to go. And I'm sure by the end, Captain Shaw will be like, Commander Seven to the bridge or something like that. That would be great. Kind of like Pulaski and Data. Yes. Or Commander of Nine to the bridge. <laughs> um, but what's the difference between Data and Data anyway? Uh, one is different pronunciation. One is my name. The other is not. <laughs> um, I love Pulaski. Um, one brief aside. Uh-huh. In the first episode, we saw Picard and Riker take a shuttle over to Crusher's ship. Yeah, and the sapphic. The, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. Because in the second episode, I didn't notice this in the first episode. Maybe I missed it. But in the second episode, when it blew up and its hull went past the camera, we saw it was the Savic. Uh-huh. I don't think it was mentioned in the first episode. Okay. Because, or, you know, we spent some time in the previous podcast episode talking about those who have passed. And we didn't mention that since we last did our show in the fall, Kirstie Alley passed away. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of her. So <laughs> she's not a good person. There are reasons to believe that. But and I, I did forget about it entirely. Yeah, well. Well, well, so did I. Because mm-hmm. at this point, it had happened a while ago. It was not as recent as the people that we also have been talking about. Um, but you and I are big fans of the TV show Cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. she, was she was the worst, one of the worst parts about this show. <laughs> which is not the reason why she was the only Cheers regular to not show up on Frasier. But, but still... I think even bad people or people we don't like, we can still be sorry that they're gone. And I like that they worked in an acknowledgement of her into this new show. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's the actress all. who played her out in season or in search for Spock. Kim Cattrall. Uh, was it her? From Mannequin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sex in the city, of course, and big mm-hmm. trouble in little China. Yep. That was her. So also an homage to her. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is an homage to Kim Cattrall. Mystery Science Theater 3000 did an entire song about Kim Cattrall. <laughs> and I, I will sing it for you now. Uh, hold on. I think I have to look at my wrist. And yeah, I got to go. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, time to go. All right. Moving on. Okay. You mentioned another uh, thing. Uh, reveal. Yes. Uh, yes. So the other big reveal. And this blew me away so much more than it surprised you which was <laughs> the fact that well well let me let me walk you through my experience so okay yes, so, ja- so jack is in this irradiated room kind of like spock was so many years ago and a security guard who we may or may not have seen before uh comes in and throws him against the wall and i was like whoa that's an inordinate amount of strength and jack punches him and his face ripples and i think to myself I did not see what I just saw. That that can't be what I think it is. It's it's certainly not. And then we move over to Rafi and Worf, who we haven't talked about yet, but we will be. And they have somebody being held captive, and he has a suddenly a metallic tone to his voice. I'm thinking, okay, the other guy had a super strength. This guy has a metallic tone. Maybe they're Terminators or something. But then his face ripples, and Worf says, "Tell me." How long have you been away from the Great Link? And I effing screamed. <laughs> I screamed. Awesome. I was like, oh my, because you've been to the movies with me. You know how reactive uh-huh. I am. And I had no effing clue. Because like 
Sabriel, in our previous podcast episode, I said to you that I had heard that Picard season three isn't just about TNG. And I thought that meant we'd be getting a cameo from Admiral Janeway. I had uh-huh. no idea it would be so <laughs> integral to the plot and that it would come from Deep Space Nine. It's fucking awesome, isn't it? And it was not teased at all in the trailers or anything like that. Well, but my reaction was much more muted than yours. And it wasn't that I was not excited and need to see, but um, they kept they kept lampshading it. Uh, at one point, Beverly or Jax said something, they have different faces every time. My brain went to either holograms or changelings. Uh, and so I was just kind of watching for it. I still think it was neat. And I was like, oh, cool. But not the Whoa! <laughs> Leo pointing meme. Uh <laughs> Now, see, I, in hindsight, yes, what you picked up on is exactly what they were alluding to. But when they were talking about it at the time, uh-huh. I thought it was some sort of an interspecies conspiracy, like, uh-huh. like, um, like almost like the Omega directive from Voyager, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, that like all these different species wanted Jack for the same reason. And whether it was Section 31 or the Tal Shiar, everybody has some group that knows about jack and wants to get him so when he Uh said that starfleet came after us i thought yeah section 31 would do that i it never occurred to me that they were not actually starfleet uh i kept mentioning i not kept mentioning last time we got talked i said mentioned about different masks i think at that point it was like starting to get the idea because they kept having different masks there's lots of hints about masks and things like that and i hadn't really formulated everything like that by the last time we talked but then when someone mentions you know, like they have a different face every time, oh, because <laughs> I use those kind of things in my D and D game. <laughs> yeah, I I was very surprised by this, and it also the changelings that we're seeing are not as versatile as the ones we're accustomed to seeing. So like the ones that Worf and Rafi had in handcuffs, he could have just slipped right through those handcuffs. And my understanding from what Worf told me or t- told us <laughs> is that because they are separated from the great link, they have lost some of their flexibility. Is that your understanding? Uh, no, because Oda was fine. My thing was just like, he, this guy was, um, my thing was just like this guy, they were ho- holding the, uh, especially this guy that Worf and Rafi had, uh, he was holding on as long as he could. Cause he also knew he couldn't get away. Like they're just going to shoot him when instantly turns into goo. Uh, and he still tried to make a break for it last second when he just couldn't hold anymore. Um, I, I didn't get that impression like he couldn't he couldn't hold himself together because of his time away from the Great Link. I would just think, it's like, oh shoot, they, they got me. Maybe I can hold off for a bit long long enough where I can get my escape. And he couldn't. No, that's how I approached it. But no, that, I mean that right. makes sense. What you point mm-hmm. out about Worf being away from the Great Link that makes perfect sense. I hadn't thought of that. But this is a changeling who Worf was able to basically body slam. Uh-huh. Knock unconscious. And well, I just can't imagine a changeling being susceptible to that. Uh, was he unconscious? Or I, was he playing the part? But why would he play the part if he knew he was in desperate need of regeneration? I would have done everything I could to get away to make sure that I wouldn't get caught. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. You, I, you mean, also another thing you would have. Uh, maybe he, I mean, maybe he was slowed down, but for whatever reason, he it was very important to him to. Uh, uh, hold on to his form and see. And whatever reason, it was very important. Because we saw a changeling on. Oh, because if he would have revealed himself in front of all those people, everyone starts knowing there's changeling around again. Changelings around again. 
But that's the thing about changelings. We saw one on Discovery, uh, the fourth uh-huh. season, and he was in, in a casino. Yeah, and he was in a casino, and he would just, when nobody was looking, turn from one person into another. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't fly into a raptor and fly away. And so this guy that Worf and Rafi were chasing, he was in a very crowded space, and he could have just very easily like put up a hood, change his face. And then nobody knows who he is. I don't know. Everyone seemed to be Rafi and Worf seemed to be on his tail for like without losing him, losing sight of him. So I don't know. I don't know. Not the guy could be just a little nerd who isn't used to being around people. I don't know. Maybe he sucks at being a changeling. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we can really attribute much to it other than for some reason he didn't do that. And there's probably a larger reason. Uh, I was surprised that Worf simply just shot the changeling when it tried to get away. And what else are you going to do? Erect a force field? Do you have time for that? I think so. Uh, I mean, maybe Worf doesn't. I mean, he also doesn't know that ship. That's true. Is there a spot where you can do force fields there? Probably. I mean, remember on that episode of TNG where... The whole crew just like they're looking at each other and they're nodding at each other and then all of a sudden there's a force field around the aliens on the bridge <laughs> and Picard's so. like see we're so good at communication we don't even have to talk to each other uh, speaking of we can do a segue <laughs> let's do it Riker and Picard what a whiplash of emotions from the front beginning of the episode to the last part of the episode and uh, from you're my bestest buddy Jean-Luc you're my bestest buddy number one to the end of like you just killed us all get off this bridge i think once they find out there's a saboteur that there um maybe some nerf truth truthful hurtful things in there being said but i think they are on their backup protocol this is how we do our silent communication uh to try to out the saboteur um uh jean-luc even one point after they find out there's a saboteur they don't know what's a changeling yet uh says uh Something, something, something. Use it to set up a trap. And Will just stares at him for a minute. And then they continue talking. I think that was a silent-ish communication. You think it's like a myriad protocol where they're talking in code? Yes, I think they are probably absolutely saying some hurtful things. Which might sting a little bit, but they're best buddies. The whole episode, they're talking about how best buddy, buddy, buddy they are. And all of a sudden, this turn... Like, I think Riker's going through some things. I think Picard's going through some things. They're using those strong emotions and still trying to set up a trap at the same time. I was very surprised by Picard's suggestion of, we have to attack now, because Picard, especially compared to Kirk, was always the more diplomatic captain. Mm -hmm. And here he is talking about, we have an entire bridge and crew and ship of people, including my son, being attacked by an much more powered ship and you don't want to get away and save everybody you want to attack them like i didn't see a lot of logic to picard's proposal no i could see some logic but it didn't feel very picard right yeah and even that comment to Riker about i know how fear of loss can can cause you to do this and that and Riker's like excuse me yeah that's part of it where i think like he did poke an actual heartstring as part uh, uh, to p- play a deeper part of their ruse to try to out the saboteur. Oh, which you have seen this changing saboteur before. He was the guy when Picard and Riker uh, get on the ship when Seven Inch uh, says, Welcome to Titan. This guy, they walk by, he gives this look of disdain as they walk by. 
the camera zoomed in on this one dude. Turned out to be a changeling. Oh, good catch. Everyone was kind of like, who who is this guy? I even think we brought him up last time. And I was like, there's just some ensign who doesn't like this admiral who shows up. (laughs) Uh, And there was somebody else who Picard, Mm -hmm. like, straightened their combat, right? Yeah, I think that was him playing the part. That was not this guy. Oh, okay. It's just uh, John Luke just goofing around. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I, I got how they said, you know, when we go on this bridge, we need to, it's for inspection, so we need to play that role. And I get why he was straight in somebody's combat. I was just trying to remember. So there were two different ensigns or officers being shown in that scene. One with the uh, the crooked combat, and then the other was a changeling. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. I don't think the combat was even crooked. I think John Luke was just messing with them. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I did like, you know, before things came to a head with Riker and Picard, the scene where Picard said, I think it's time that you call me number one. <laughs> See? That, that, that just melted my heart. It was so sweet, but also I think, again, they were all his buddy-buddy, and then 10 minutes later, get off my bridge! <laughs> well, it's especially strange for Riker to say that because Picard did not give any orders. It's not like Michael who knocked out her captain in her own ready room and then went on the bridge and said, we have to fire at the at the Klingons. Like Picard yeah. was telling Riker what to do and Riker turned around and did it. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it's a ruse. I think it's a ruse where they're actually saying some real hurtful things. But it's working to help sell the ruse. I guess. I don't know. Like, but to what end though? They know there's a changeling on board. At they know there's a saboteur. Well, I guess now. I, mean, I don't know. Now they know there's a changeling, but they didn't know that when they started. So try to. They're trying to out it. They're trying to set up a trap. We'll see that trap in the next episode or two. Hmm. That would be nice because, as I was saying on the last podcast, I hate how everybody who we loved on TNG, their lives have just gone to crap. And that's an exaggeration. Not everybody. But I would like to see people be friends after so long. Mm-hmm. They will. You will. So were you surprised? But how about the other reveal? I said I thought it was Worf. Was Rafi's handler? Well, that wasn't a reveal because you told me. <laughs> I, I believe uh, it was my guess. It was a warrior thing. So, so what you and I discussed after we had finished recording last week was, I, I said to you, Sabriel, I know that's not a spoiler because you haven't read it anywhere. And I also know that you don't like conjecture. But the thing is, when you do do conjecture, you're very good at it. <laughs> and the fact that you think it's Worf probably means it is Worf. And the it the was warrior Worf. line. Oh, and right. then he even said it here again. Like, like, oh, man, I, that was so sweet. Those two play off each other so well. Michelle Hurd and Michael Dorn. I'm talking about how, like, basically her conspiracy theory, she sees something and he's like, you are a warrior. Everyone else tells Rafi, uh, you were kicked out of Starfleet for a reason with all these conspiracy theories. Turns out she's been right every time. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the part that I thought was missing when she was talking to her ex-husband. He's like, oh, I hate these conspiracies of yours. And she's like, am I wrong? No. I, she was, maybe she was just right to the, sounds like she was right to the point of hurting everyone around her. That's the thing. I think that there is a history of interweaving her conspiracies with her drug use. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't think her ex-husband, Jay, was wrong. <laughs> But, uh, and basically she burned every bridge with him. Uh, well, I think that her ex-husband putting her in that situation where she had to choose, giving her that ultimatum, like if you really want your ex to not do drugs, maybe don't take away her kid. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, like like he was right for calling her out on some behavior, but then I don't think he was right in this ultimatum. I agree. Um, 
But yeah, uh, Worf and Raffi, they work off well together. I love seeing Michael Dorn being able to play Worf again. I also love that we're getting TNG era Klingon and Ferengi, not this Discovery crap. What is it? Discovery brought us three bad things. <laughs> uh, updated Klingons, the gross Ferengi, and uh, Michael's ex-boyfriend, the, the Klingon. <laughs> What's his butt? Yep. Those are the I- three bad things that Discovery brought us. <laughs> I, however, I thought the Ferengi in these episodes that we are reviewing was so different from the comic relief we grew accustomed to on DS9. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think this is Uh like, there are Ferengi who are like this, but we so rarely see them that we sometimes forget. Because when I think Ferengi, I think Quark and Rom. Mm -hmm. But this guy was more of a mixture of the original version plus uh, how we became to know them. Right. Uh, he even had the military, uh, like, like the date. The original Ferengi had the little tattoo in TNG. Oh, that right. show. This guy had that. So maybe he was military and was a little bit of a dick that way. Maybe he was a daemon at some point. At some point, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I, thought I, thought I just made that up as we're talking here. Uh, <laughs> but we do get a traditional Klingon, or not TOS uh-huh. traditional, well, more TNG traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, how, but this Klingon drinks tea. I love that. I like this whole like long string of titles, and then I have made chamomile tea. Chamomile tea. Would you do you let tea? Do you take cream or something? Like that? Sugar, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he, like it was the same cadence, the same tone. It was like it was mm-hmm. all one introduction. You know, I love Slayer, it. Uh, House of Roshenko, Slayer of Galron. I have made chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? <laughs> it was so much fun and i was watching interviews with him like he he was the one who got to have the choice of basically making his um uh warp is turned into like a samurai warrior uh he there's specific i'm drunk, forgetting the movie but he had a specific reference that he pictured Worf as turning into the samurai uh film very famous one it's just totally escaping my lips right now but um and they're like, yeah, yeah, we like this, yeah. And so they kept it. And they also discussed, like, do we update Worf's look to the actually the newer Klingons? And they're like, no, this is Worf. We're not going to change that. And so they kept it. Oh my God, change Worf? No, I know, of course not. Is. No, so I'm glad they kept it. But um, they 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 were they, they were able to change techniques and make them look cooler and probably lighter. But they kept the same look. No, so. I like him. I like that he's mm-hmm. there. Uh, and we saw briefly Deanna in a flashback. Uh-huh. She'll be coming back more. I would expect so. So that means that the only two people we haven't seen yet are Jordy LaForge and mm-hmm. some member of Data's family. <laughs> yes. We still haven't seen LeVar Burton's daughter, not Jordy LaForge's daughter. We've seen her, but we haven't seen LeVar mm-hmm. Burton's daughter. But we did see some characters doing something that you've wondered for years, why don't they just do well- uh, look, online community of Star Trek joked for years, like when sensors are down, just look out the window. And we never seen it happen. And finally, this episode, they did it. <laughs> they sent uh, an, a couple ensigns, one being a changeling, who very, looked very annoyed that he was assigned to that position. Uh, darn it. That was him. I didn't recognize him there either. God, I forgot. It's a changeling. He's supposed to mess you up. <laughs> yes, I guess. <laughs> But I, this is not the first time this has happened to Star Trek, but it was amusing to me that when sensors are down, all the displays get fuzzy. Oh my god! I the one thing I think makes sense, no sense about Discovery and uh, and uh, Picard here. Like this whole switch to all this digital monitors. Like no, no, give me the physical. 
the Delta Flyer was right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did find out the reason why the, the bridge set's so dark now. Um, the the the, uh, the plexiglass material they use for the displays is extremely reflective, and oh. so that's why they had to make everything black and dark because of how they show that off. I and mean, it was more like a sure it looks neat, but everything looks dark compared to TNG era and Voyager era. But uh, there's a reason. There's a filming reason why the ship looks dark as well as whatever. Well, every time we post an episode of the podcast, I need to go back to the episode of the show and pull out a single frame to use on our website. Uh-huh. And I found that the images, not just from Picard season three, but also Strange New World season one, are all heavily desaturated. I need to run them through a color restoration algorithm. Yeah, you show that to me. And that's just, yeah. Well, it reminds me of this YouTube video that says, what if the Man of Steel movie had been in color? Right? I've seen that. It's so good. Yeah. And I just don't understand. Like some somebody told me, one of my coworkers on Slack, that the reason they desaturate TV shows is to make them seem more cinematic. And I was like, <laughs> but it's a lousy practice in cinema as well. So why would you replicate that? Like, yeah. oh, they do it like crap, so we should do it like crap too. Yeah, it's the same reason like audio seems to be the thing that always is, takes the worst hit when it comes to uh, movies and television. Oh, yeah. I actually had a long discussion with some coworkers about that recently. And one of the things I didn't stop to consider before was that televisions used to be these giant cubes. And now they're very narrow, thin, flat TVs. But speakers, to be good, need to be huge. And so they're cramming these crappy speakers and these flat TVs with the expectation that you will buy a third-party sound system and hook that up externally. And so the inbuilt sound is not intended to be used basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Like I, I do enjoy watching shows with closed captioning, but a lot of times I could turn them off, but I can't understand things half the time now. So I have to turn on closed captioning. And -hmm. I don't think it's a hearing problem. It's a lot of shows just mixed very poorly or uh, speaking range is very different than the uh, music range on a lot of shows. And it's just frustrating. I was concerned in my case that it was a hearing problem. And then just this past November, what I started doing was whether I'm watching something on my laptop or on a nice big TV hooked up to my Apple TV streaming set box, I'm using Bluetooth headphones. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I mean, if I'm watching by myself and it turned out that has eliminated my need for subtitles because I didn't realize it wasn't my ears that were going. It was the crappy TV audio. Speaking of subtitles, viewers who are watching this on Amazon Prime and not Paramount Plus were spoiled on a big reveal uh, this last, in the third episode because at one point, well, we should talk about Captain Vatic, Um it said uh, Changeling Crew Member 1 at the beginning of the episode or something very similar to that. Changeling Crew Member or Changeling Person, yeah. Why would they do that? I don't know. Uh, what do you think about Captain Vatic? Remember who that is? That's our evil person on the Shrike. Oh. Well, I don't know that I have a lot to say about her. I do think her ship and the portal technology is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they are using it to its maximum. Basically, they're saying, hey, 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 everybody, let's take the Titan and move them a little bit to the right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be annoying? I think it's, I think it's, oh, I love Vatic, she is delightfully evil. She's so calm. She's collected. She is evil. Do you know who the actress is? No. It is uh, Christopher Plummer's daughter, Amanda Plummer, a uh, former Klingon Chancellor in Star Trek Six. 
Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Because I thought I saw a spoiler on the internet and I was really upset because I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Uh All they said was like father, like daughter. And they showed two gifs, one of uh, Christopher Plummer as the Klingon turning around in his chair. And then one Mm -hmm. of this person. And I thought they Uh were referring to the characters. Ah, I thought they uh were saying that whoever this villain is, she's the daughter of somebody. So just like we have Picard's son, we have this other person's daughter. And that goes back to the season three, episode one title, The Next Generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. No, you were not spoiled in the way you thought you were. Uh, No, this is his daughter playing this evil character now. And I think she's brilliant. She's so good. She's such a delightfully evil person who is uh, very calm and collected and reserved. And she she is toying with the Titan. I don't think I uh, Beverly even says like I don't think they actually want Jack. I think this is all a ruse to get Picard. I think it worked extremely well. They had to hope that Picard would take the Titan. They had to hope that Picard would show up here. <laughs> they would hope, but uh, I think there's a grander scheme here. Something about Picard specifically, or the entire TG cast. Um, I don't know. I think there was a hope a lot of cogs they were hoping to get work. <laughs> but in any case, um, she is up to something evil, more evil here than we know, and she is keeping them in this nebula, which this nebula is also weird. It has biological signs. When they first got here, uh, yes, um, our Vulcan science person Natalin to uh, something like that um she mentions that twice she has mentioned there are electrical and biological signatures from the nebula she changes her name to anomaly in the second in the third episode and she also when they first got here she says reading photonic energy in the nebula ken do you know what photonic energy means in star trek uh i feel like i should does this mean holograms that's yeah photons be free what is going on here with this anomaly i had a, I, I cannot repeat it here uh i posted something with rot 13 on my twitter account i saw that uh so not cause any spoilers uh and so i'm excited to go back to see if how correct i am but it has to be a coincidence that they're in this nebula. The Shrike didn't right? chase them into it. That's like, there had to be a lot of hoping that all these little deeps... I, I, maybe the plan was, oh, wow, this this uh, we have this amazing opportunity to shut up at our back door. It has to be that, because there's a lot of weaving and things to get here. Unless... Oh, uh, oh, I'm not going to say anything for fear of approaching... A spoiler. I mentioned it to Shar, so it's still in the conversation if it comes up. I don't think this is it, though. Do you want to take fear... my headphones off so you can share it with listeners? No, 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 I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, I just, I will, it's in my conversation with Shar. Remind me uh, <laughs> in a few weeks. Well, I think the Shrike did not necessarily intend to chase them into this specific nebula, and I think whatever those biological signatures are, that's going to be the Titans salvation. I think there's going to be Mm -hmm. something down there that will either help them or that they can use to their advantage because not only did the changelings revelation have me screaming, but I was literally like my stomach was tight with tension at the end of this episode because the Titan came around. They set that trap. 
and the bad guys were already facing them. So they knew they were coming somehow. I still don't know how. And so they fired and the portal technology turned it back on them. And now they're sinking into this nebula. And it's one of those situations where like, as much as I would love to conjecture, I don't see a way out of this unless there's something we don't know yet. Like those biological symbols. Yeah. That was such a good thing. Like the, I love the portal gun. That was, I thought that was neat. We saw it in the first episode when the Starfleet was uh, crushed. Or whatever yeah, that, the recruitment that, center. Uh-huh. But um, I thought that was a fun little toy here to mess with your prey. You're just picking at it, teasing it. And then to use it to turn your own weapons against you, that's brilliant. I don't think that was part of this plan that I think Jean-Luc and Riker are doing. Uh, I don't think they expected that. But um, they're going to use it. And um, yeah. and then But seeing the Titan just spin into darkness... Oh, that's such a good, good, good cinematic effect. The only other time in Star Trek history that I have felt this way was in Deep Space Nine, when I think it was Bashir and Ezri were captured by the Cardassians, and they they were being led to their execution, and like, and they were both resigned. They're like, "There's no way out." Well, it's been nice working with you, and they're trudging to their execution, and I was like. There's nobody that can just show up out of the blue and beam them out. There's been no hint that anything like that is going to happen, that their salvation is possible. And then, spoiler to those who haven't seen it, Damar pulls out his phaser and shoots the Cardassian guards. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and, and then I went back and I rewatched the episode. I was like, oh, there were breadcrumbs. They were hinting at this. And I totally missed it. And I'm glad I did because sometimes my best reactions are when it's a surprise. And I feel like that's what's happening here. Like, I don't see a way out of this. And once they find the way out, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> because I don't want it. Like, there, there need to be those breadcrumbs. There need to be those clues. Otherwise, it's just mm -hmm. like, Oh, they just pull a rabbit out of a hat and boom, they're fine. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of last minute salvations, a scene I loved in this episode or maybe the previous episode, one of the two that we saw was when the Titan warped in between and disrupted oh, the tractor beam. It was such a good, good little interrupt. There's something, there's something else in the sensors. The Titan just shows up and breaks the beam. It's and that so is good. precise parking. <laughs> right. And I don't know that it would necessarily disrupt a tractor beam as opposed to just redirect it, but I don't care. It was so awesome. Uh -huh. Oh, and then the Shrike whipped, the, whipped the Ilios, Ilios. Yeah. Oh, so cool. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that reminds me of, there have been various Star Trek X-Men crossovers. Have you seen any uh -huh. of these? No, I have not. I know of them. I just never. Yeah. So originally it was TOS and X-Men, which was awesome because at one point bones and beast are in the sick bay together. And, Nurse Chapel walks in and says, Dr. McCoy. And they both turn and say, yes. <laughs> and, and then it was followed up by a TNG X-Men novel. So not a comic book. Uh, and I think it was in the, I, oh, I think it was the TOS comic book. That's what it was. Uh, there's, I used to be into the X-Men. I'm not anymore. I forget the character's name, but there's a bad guy. He's like Superman, except even stronger. And at one point, like he's flying through space and he goes up to the Enterprise. The Enterprise puts up their shields and this bad guy punches the Enterprise <laughs> and like actually depletes the shields like 50%. And Kirk, just standing on the bridge in disbelief, says, did he just punch my ship? 
And I Amazing. felt like that's what happened here. Like Shaw was saying, what just happened? And LaForge is like, she just threw a ship at us. <laughs> you know, what that's a great fun. use for a tractor beam. Kind of yeah. like how um, the naked now TNG, Wesley Crusher theorized the tractor beam could be a repulsor beam. Mm-hmm. And Same that's thing. here. It's common tech now. Because it brought up a few times, Picard at that episode said, like, I'm just going to do a repulsive beam to get them away from us. And Jack is like, there's not enough power in the Helios to do that. And, and now it's common. Uh, so that's cool. And yet Shaw was still surprised by it. I mean, maybe it's not common, but it's known tech. Okay, yes. Don't, be, don't get hung up on my wording. Uh. <laughs> and, and speaking of known tech, at one point, Beverly Crusher is in sickbay trying to help. This annoyed me. <sighs> what? Talking about the scanner thing? Oh, uh, how she was being condescended to? Uh, you, you, you state your sentence, and I'll tell you. Well, the part where she's trying to help, and the actual sickbay doctor of the ship uh, yeah. said, it would take me longer to explain to you how medicine has changed in the last 20 years than to just treat this person. And first of all, I have two issues with that statement. One, you're assuming that Beverly Crusher hasn't been doing medicine for 20 years. And secondly, I made the same remark when Discovery went 800 years into the future <laughs> and Dr. Colbert just keeps doing his job. I was like, think about how when McCoy went back to San Francisco in the 80s and he was like, dialysis. What is this, the dark ages? <laughs> like, imagine 800 years and none of your medical knowledge is going to be relevant anymore. But 20 Oops. years, that's not that outdated. Uh, that amused me, but also what I got annoyed at was because uh, when Shaw was down there after internal injuries, Beverly's talking to our commander, Dr. Oak, like she had three pips uh, and she's like, the scanner sometimes doesn't get internal bleeding in the first time. I'm like, there's no way you they're just setting up Dr. Crusher to have this old timey medicine thing and give her some credit. But like, there's no way this commander level doctor chief medical officer doesn't know about how the scanner works. <laughs> yes, I, I just got annoyed well. at that. <laughs> like, how did you get to be CMO and not know that? I mean, granted, you are much younger than Beverly Crusher and have less experience, but you have enough experience to be a commander. Yeah, and and, and the chief. Yeah, that just annoyed me. Like, can you imagine like some some someone coming in to tell Beverly that, <laughs> or even the doctor no. or Bashir? Like, <laughs> well, one thing that is. On one hand, not surprising to us as fans, but probably should be surprising in universe is that everybody who was on TNG is now a legend. <laughs> like my <laughs> father, Jordi LaForge, was one of the best ship designers and engineers that ever lived, except he had trouble making friends. And then Worf shows up and Rafi's like, Worf, you're a legend. You're exactly what I expected you. And Picard is like, oh my God, Picard and Riker and Seven of Nine. Oh my gosh, everybody knows everybody. And they're so amazing. Uh Oh, <laughs> the Forge's daughter gives her speech to um, Seven. Seven, and she says like, the sounds rehearsed. Well, that too, that was great. Um, but also the I just picture her going down there, like I'm going to say this, 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 this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say. This. But but also like everyone thought I'd follow in my dad's footsteps, and then when I became a pilot, everyone was like, and I'm like, your dad was a pilot too in the first <laughs> season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, hmm. That I, I I laughed. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I mean, Gene Roddenberry thought it would be ironic to have the blind yeah. man as the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he came with the character first and not that, but I'm sure not. Anyway, um, um, we're getting a little long in the tooth here. 
I've got you want to bring all up? my oh, notes. All my we notes. We forgot one major one. Let's hear it. Jack, when he's coming out or about to die, he has a little vision of uh, a door, uh, a red door, uh, and seven. Branches. I don't think I don't think the seven part is important because she's wearing red. I think that was the more important part. And and she was talking to him in the real world. I think that I don't think it was the seven was in his dream was important. I think it was the red on her shoulders and the red vines behind her. And she said, tie the branches together or something. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, connect the branches. Find yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. No idea what this is going to be. No idea. No idea. Other than is the stuff they stole from the Daystrom Institute the red matter? It doesn't seem like logical. I don't think they're going to go into that up well again. But the, the changelings did say, uh, uh, your home worlds are going to be destroyed. Maybe they'll tie it into Star Trek 2009. Maybe. It just yeah. doesn't feel like they're set. Maybe. But we don't have that many episodes to go down that rabbit hole, so we shall see. We're already three tenths of the way done the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, I love the line from Shaw: "We are essentially cornered in space, which has no corners." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Um, uh, there are people joking about how, uh, of course, Beverly ghosted uh, JL. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, bad. Um, but I love Amanda Plummer as our as our baddie. At least I still think she might be working for someone, but she, she makes has, a good she has to be. Yeah, um, I mean, which she's, ties into you, my she's, she's using the technology that is supposed to be the distraction. Yeah. So whoever has the real weapon has to be her boss. Yeah, and I wish I could tell you what my long hypothesis is, but we'll see in the coming weeks, and I can tell you what it was. This this one stuck. This one's sticking in my head. So you'll be right. You're always right. I don't know. I don't know. I, sometimes they, I poke on one thing and I was like only 2% right and then 98% completely something else. I don't know that I agree about Riker and Picard having a, a ruse going on here, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I still think they're mad. I think they're, they're doing this. They're being jerks to each other, but I think there's something bigger going on because they went from we're best buds forever. This guy's a legend to all of a sudden you just killed us all in front of all the crew. <laughs> Maybe Riker is, is the change line. Yes. Oh, and yeah, Deanna and Riker are having problems. Oh, yes, the de-aging. What do you think of de-aging? Of Riker? Uh, there was a scene where they, when uh, the Deanna scene, with the, what she calls saw, him. Yeah, the scene in the bar, yeah. Was Both Picard of them had de-aging? de-aging. Yeah, yeah. Picard didn't look as de-aged in this movie as he did in the X-Men movie where he was de-aged. Think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my first viewing, I was like, wow, this looks really good. My second viewing, wow, this looks really plastic. Uh, so I don't oh. know. Uh, <laughs> the only um, thing I noticed about Riker, I thought they just like colored his beard. They just got rid of some of the wrinkles. But yeah. oh, yeah, because uh, no, no, no. I just like watching the interview, like uh, in Ready Room, like uh, Jonathan Frakes is like everybody except Jordy who and uh, uh, Brent Spiner, Wesley, uh, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is over 70. 70 or older. Really? Like, and LeVar is like 69 or something. He's basically there. And huh. Will Wheaton is 50. Uh, yeah. It's just a comment he made to, to um, Will Wheaton. It's like, wow, just seeing everyone still doing their thing. Jonathan Frakes is exactly 70 years old. So, yeah. LeVar Burton is 66 years old. Brent Spiner is 74. Marina Sirtis is 67 
this is just his offhand comment, but yeah, they're all up there. It's what the, po- the main point of it is. And they're still doing their thing and having fun being on stage. And that was just, he said just how fun it was. And the, in- incredible that they were able to get everyone back together for this all these years later. I think I may have said before how fortunate we are that they're all still alive. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. one of the reasons this past summer that I paid exorbitant amount of money to get William Shatner's autograph is because there are very few opportunities left to get any TOS cast members autograph. Uh-huh. I've gotten everybody from TNG, which I'm excited about. But even uh, like Voyager, everybody's still alive as far as I know. But Jennifer Lien, you're not going to see her on the convention circuit. No, not unless something major happens. Poor gal. Yeah. I don't want to say pity her. She's just different life decisions and yeah. has a rough time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that everybody on TNG is both alive and relatively doing well. Yeah. Although now, is this a is this a TNG reunion or is this a Gargoyles reunion? <laughs> uh, also could be that. Uh, apparently, also, everyone keeps saying they set up the possibility of spinoffs in Picard Season 3. Not of who, oh. but there's plenty of opportunity for spinoffs. Well, I, I, at this point in the season, I can't imagine what the spinoff would be. I don't either. I will say that the season will be incomplete if there is no cameo by Reginald Barkley. <laughs> oh man, I hope they got him. Right? <laughs> All, At least oh, they got him for first contact. That reminds me, I'm sorry, just one more thing. Crusher, <laughs> Beverly, I know, Columbo, right, said how she lost her parents to space, she lost her husband to space, yeah, she lost that. her son, line. Wesley. I was like, wait a minute. Of the four people you just named, three are dead. One is alive and well and showed up for Riker's wedding. Uh, in non-canon. No, he was off to the side. Okay, well, the... he might have been there, but but we don't know how much he visits home. Sounds like basically she lost him to the stars too. Uh, doesn't get to see him much as more. You know, or the mother thing of I don't get to I don't hear from you ever every week. You're dead. Um, I mean, we don't know how much he actually calls home. Right, but what I'm saying is that in that one statement, she conflated two different meanings of the word lost. The first three people are dead. The first person is just gone. Yeah, I don't see any problem with this. Okay. I mean, I don't. I don't. I thought it was a really good line. Everyone she's lost, basically, she loses space. Which is not true of the entire rest of the TNG cast. She didn't lose them. She cut herself off from them. Uh, every family alive. member. I think I, I, you're knitting picks here. Um, picking knits. Um, well, there's birth family and there's chosen family. Uh-huh. And her her blood family, she's basically lost to space. Yes. One way um, or another. Um, yeah. And so and then she names her kid after her ex-husband. Who, oh, the kid, the kid with the, as someone pointed out, uh, am I, the, am I the, one of those Reddit threads of, am I the arsehole of, um, I, uh, married, or no, I, I fell in love with, with the best friend of my ex-husband and name my son with his best friend <laughs> after my ex-husband. <laughs> Am I the arse? <laughs> and what would you say to that? Are you? Or are they? <laughs> uh, maybe we'll find out next week. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think we've had a lot to say and we will find out more next week. You and I will be back on the air longer or later than that. Uh, we have some time zones to navigate coming up. Yeah, you got some moving to do. Yeah, I think we can make the next episode work uh, if we can both be a little flexible. Um, you're going to change time zones before I do because of the way our continents follow daylight saving time. Sure. 
I'll take your word for it. I don't pay attention. Why don't you? Don't you want to know when you are? My clock, my clock changes. I'm good. But you have international friends. Yeah, it doesn't tell. That doesn't know. That doesn't tell me when I'm going to talk to them. I have a clock that does. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have a lot of things to find out. I have no more. One more things. <laughs> All right, Columbo. And on that note, hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock. <laughs> The semi-regular-ish podcast where, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, let's start, start that again. That is not what I was going for at all. I set myself up to fail. Three. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock. I am your wonderful, gracious, and modest cap- Wow. I set myself off with the space ball things and now I cannot <laughs> talk. I'm going to just think about life for a minute. Oh, well, and I did it to myself is the worst part. Oh, I lost you. Oh, oh, you were so frozen. Okay. <sighs> Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock. This is a very calm intro because I have definitely not messed this up four times already. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I've got the giggles. I think it's because I'm looking at you. I'm going to just slide you behind the tab for a minute until I get through the intro, and then I'm going to slide you back. <laughs> wow, I had this all prepared and everything. Eighth time's a charm, like I always say. Hello, and welcome to your trend. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is like those blooper reels you see on Star Trek all the time. Why don't stop laughing at themselves? Thank <sighs> you.